Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. The patients, when we're doing these face-to-face visits, um, if they didn't have a platform before, we're helping them get it onto their smart tablet or their device and doing these visits successfully today. Welcome to a very special episode of Pop Health Podcast. This is Gavin Ward, co-host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, we speak with Don Maroney, President, Consumer and Markets for Alignment Healthcare, and her colleague, Dr. Arta Bakshande, who's the Chief Medical Information Officer for Alignment, on how they are working with their members to leverage telehealth in keeping their members safe at home and receiving the care that they need at their home. They also talk about another initiative throughout Alignment, which includes their command center. Also on today's episode, we speak with two leaders in the home care industry, including Cameron Akrami, who's the president of the American Board of Home Care and also the vice president of Oasis in Home Care, as well as the founder of San Diego Home Caregivers, Sterling Miles. These two gentlemen talk about the current state of the home care industry and how home care is still the lowest risk, best place for folks who just need assistance with activities of daily living, or maybe they need some skilled care but can receive home health. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Feel free to check out other episodes of Pop Health Podcast by visiting us at popelfpodcast.com or finding us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or pretty much wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the show. Don, can you remind the audience uh, what is Alignment Healthcare and how many members you guys have as well as where are you located? Uh, Gavin, thank you for asking that question. Uh, we are in Alignment Healthcare is in North Carolina and in California primarily. California, we probably have most of the membership when we're looking at the size of members that are on the plan or in the program. We have approximately 70,000 seniors that are uh, participating in a part of the program. You know, Alignment Healthcare is an organization that focuses 100% on serving seniors, primarily as a health plan, as well as a, a healthcare delivery system. In some markets, uh, we serve, we contract out with other health plans, um, such as Humana and a couple of other, or another organization in the area. And then in California, we own the health plan. So we, it's called Alignment Health Plan in California, and we are in approximately 16 counties. And most of our members, actually our members are spread out throughout uh, these markets from Sacramento all the way down to San Diego. Okay, great. And I noticed you guys have uh, grown quite a bit, especially in the Medicare Advantage space. Uh, what do you attribute to that growth? You know, the growth has been successful. It started originally through our clinical model and where we had, uh, you know, building the four walls and we had a clinical program that we brought people in to supplement um, service um, outside of what was happening in the, you know, in the physician office, as well as extra care that's being needed to help navigate and coordinate that care between the doc, the specialist, and or if they needed any surgeries, whether it's pre or post, as well as any any types of care. And so we've navigated to an in-home care anywhere program where we've taken it out of the building and moved care into the home. But that doesn't mean that we're not still navigating um, access to care, uh, connecting to a primary care doctor that we have a relationship with as well as a specialist and or or our hospital partners. So, you know, we continue to do that. But the success, um, what we've seen in the last couple of years, 
really has been centered around access to a doc through whether it's virtual, um, through telephone and or, you know, video through tablet, through through their tablet and or their computer, providing uh, access to a black or black card, what we're calling um, and the black card is really similar to that of, you know, a credit card that individuals can go and buy, you know, vitamins and other items by swiping it, by utilizing, you know, different, you know, stores like Walgreens, Rite Aid, CVS, and Target, and, you know, other stores that are out there that they can go and, um, you know, get vitamins. And now it's, of course, you know, whether they needed the wipes or and or if Perel was available and they, they have access to those items too um, as a part of the program. And we give members an allotment on a monthly basis that they can use those dollars and spend um, in addition to their basic health care coverage. And through telehealth services that we've provided two years ago, as well as our Care Anywhere program, which is providing the physician in the home, in addition to the Black Card, which is offering the OTC items, and what we've added in its in addition to that is a separate 24-hour, 20, 24 hours, seven days a week concierge service that helps the member navigate not only their clinical care that they need, but any care that's tied to social determinants of health. And that could be inclusive of transportation. Uh, that can be inclusive of, a, you know, getting access to the doctor through um, a telehealth program by helping them get registered explaining that dental vision other types of services that traditionally you know some of those items are covered under medicare but you know and some of those items were not but we've always supplemented those benefits from basic medicare to make sure that the beneficiary has full spectrum of services as well as care and we've seen when we promoted this through our black card because the seniors like to have that tangible item we've seen um, the growth rate um, more than 36% um, um, annually uh, within the organization and just grow just very nicely. That's great, Don. Thanks for all those details. So this will go over to Dr. B. Earlier today, I noticed a video with you on the Alignment website about your command center. Dr. B, can you tell us about the command center and Alignment's response to COVID-19? Yeah, absolutely. So being the health plan and the delivery arm puts us in a really unique position to be proactive with our membership. As the chief medical information officer, I have a team of data scientists that are able to take all of the health plan data. And we've used the um, algorithms that and created algorithms based on the best practices from the CDC and the WHO in identifying patients who are most vulnerable to COVID-19. And by doing that, we've created a dashboard to understand who we believe is most at risk um, to the least at risk. We've taken that information down to a level where starting shortly, our members will be able to go to our website and go put in their symptoms and be able to see, you know, essentially what their risk is. But at the same time, with information around what should I do next? Should I just stay home? Um, if I am symptomatic, should I then stay home but call my doctor and have a telemedicine visit via um, FaceTime or, or something else, a different platform with one of the clinicians um, with Teladoc or with us directly. Also, should they, you know, then call 911 or something of that nature. So we've used it in, in that respect, but also we've been very proactive working with um, our, our patient population that is most vulnerable and reaching out to them directly. That's been via mailers and, and via phone calls to be able to, to give them guidance on why it's important for them to stay in place, 
stay safe, and also give them information that our, for example, our social workers have been working on so that they understand that, you know, like certain grocery stores open for seniors Tuesdays and Thursdays from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. so that they can avoid the general population, but still be able to get their groceries. And as Don alluded to, being able to build these benefits around them already, these members have benefits that allow us to give them you know, an allowance for their over-the-counter or potentially grocery that they can then in turn have delivered as well. And so all of that data running through the command center gives us line of sight to the membership, but also when we have a member that either calls us or we call them, we have a more holistic view of the member and understanding what their comorbidities might be, what medications they're taking, and allows us to make real educated decisions on our population to keep, really keep our, our members safe at home um, and, and try and make sure that, that they aren't exposed to uh, the coronavirus. Yeah, that's great. Is there anything in the last month or two or even last few days that you guys are now able to do within your uh, within your health plan that perhaps you were not allowed to do by CMS previously? Yeah, so um, I think number one would be, and number two would be the, the use of um, FaceTime and WhatsApp. Um, before, those were not considered avenues that, that we were really allowed to use um, when communicating with members. It is important to note that alignment has always had a telemedicine benefit. Uh, we do home monitoring with our population already um, with some of our sickest membership. Uh, we are um, actively seeing members in the home with our Care Anywhere program that Don was speaking of earlier, where physicians, nurse practitioners, health coaches, um, and others were going into the home. We've since stopped that and moved to telemedicine only unless the patient really does need a face-to-face visit, and, and we are still able to come into the home. Uh, but we have released uh, to our, our advanced care practitioners the WhatsApp and FaceTime and created accounts to where the patients, when we're doing these face-to-face visits, um, if they didn't have a platform before, we're helping them get it onto their smart tablet or their device and doing these visits successfully today. To the point um, related to the federal government has given us um, a lot of flexibility just to to add on what Arda is saying. And, you know, it's been great to have, you know, FaceTime or WhatsApp, where before you had to have a little bit more stringent than that. So there's flexibility not only with our existing doctors and anybody that's calling in around COVID-19, we are actually having our doctors um, handle these cases to make sure that they're getting immediate care and access as soon as possible, just in case there's a backlog with uh, any of the primary care or the specialists and or a hospital facilities, just tying to, you know, the, um, the care that's needed. And so CMS has offered that flexibility, and so we're really pleased about that. But we've, you know, we've actually been at the forefront with this particular offering to our, our population. We've had telehealth services for quite some time, for a couple of years now. And we use other organizations like Teladoc or MD Live, companies that we partner with. However, you know, we just want to make sure that people are not put on hold too long and, you know, because there is a delay because everybody now is using those sources. And so, yeah. um, you know, 
given the sensitivity of, you know, the, the membership and, you know, we want to make sure that they're taken care of. And so we're funneling as much as we can through our existing network. I was going to say, you know, I was on call this last week and this weekend, I noticed as the Teladoc wait times went up, a lot of those members were redirected to me being on call and I was able to take care of them and call in prescriptions that they may have needed along with kind of reassurance, what to do next. Um, a lot, you, know, you have general urgent care questions all the way to, do I have COVID-19 and, you know, patients that may have, may have it. And, you know, we have we've said, okay, this is what you need to do next. But being able to have that and not have the members wait for two hours or an hour to see somebody virtually, I think is really important. And, and we've been lucky to have that in place for, you know, some time now. Yeah. One of the things we've been doing for the last several weeks is we're calling every primary care office to make sure that they're open. Do they have the ability to do telehealth, you know, take a phone call and provide, uh, you know, care over the phone? And then how are they prioritizing, you know, their patients that are coming in from the high risk, you know, uh, all the way, you know, down to the healthiest person, just to make sure that when it comes to our membership, that the access to care is prioritized, um, as well as working with each individual group on their individual pandemic plans, um, because it's, you know, how are they handling or if they had to shut down their whole office, you know, or through our delivery systems, how are they responding to it so that we have our teams ready just in case something happens in a particular area. With you guys having telehealth for a couple of years now, what I had read in the past was kind of national uh, adoption of telehealth was relatively slow across the country with various health plans. Did you guys see that as well? And do you think this adoption of telehealth will be permanent? Or do you think folks will go back to their old ways once we conquer this thing? It's a great question. Um, utilization for telehealth services, and, you know, Arda can add in after, um, you know, just sharing this, but it's been, to your point, it's been very small. You know, we actually had incentives for our concierge teams to actually register our members. I mean, we had a, a daily tracking on getting people registered in advance. And, you know, it's not that we planned on any of this happening, but it actually worked in our, our favor because that time delay for members being put on hold is the whole registration process, you know, connecting to e, um, e, e prescriptions or getting the the detail behind the patient of, you know, their profiling setup. And, and for us, it's easy because we can do it through an app, but when you're talking to an individual like a senior who doesn't, not all of them have smartphones or computers and it, it's a process. And so we navigated through, you know, our, our partners to make sure that no matter what way we looked at it, that the phone call, that they can do the full telecommunications through the phone as an option. And so we had close to 10,000 of our members already pre-registered prior to this even happening, but it has been delayed. And to your point of, is it going to, you know, do we believe it'll go backwards? I think this will change the world um, on the way care is delivered. Uh, and maybe a little bit, you know, still slower process for an older adult, but, you know, we're seeing people become much more technically savvy, even in the senior uh, market. That's great. Right, Arda? No, I, I agree. You know, I think early on, because we've been doing this for so long, there are some that, you know, they just didn't want to adopt telemedicine. There's the whole, you know, having the face-to-face -face visit and being able to do, you know, so much with that. 
I think people are going to learn now that we're almost being forced into into it um, and into telemedicine is that you know, there's a lot that you can do over the phone or a video visit that doesn't necessarily need to be done face to face. I think it'll change the way we do kind of not urgent care, but just right under that and, and providing just general health care uh, as opposed to and, and some level of urgent care that doesn't need to be seen hands-on. And I think a lot of that will move in that direction. I think the younger population is already using it and, you know, enjoys using it um, so they can go out and do other things. And I think our senior population that we have had on telemedicine, we have had very high NPS scores uh, where they are very happy because they're able to get a hold of a doctor almost immediately, be able to talk through what's going on, be able to get their um, prescriptions that they might need. And that whole sense of a doctor in the family, I think, changes the dynamic of the the patient-clinician relationship, but also the the patient-health plan relationship. And you have uh, the ability of of people to, to really feel like they're getting what they need when they need it without leaving the comfort of their home. I just wanted to add one of the, the ways that we're communicating with our membership. Um, we've been doing tele-town halls, and we started the first big one on Friday, and we had 4,300 of our members participate. We're Dr. Bakshande, i.e. Dr. B and I, <laughs> kind of, you know, co-led that uh, together, and it was all about COVID and, you know, explaining about social distancing, isolation, uh, you know, ways to stay safe in the environment. But really, what was really important for us is to make sure that our membership is connected. And so we are doing this to, you know, now we're going to be addressing still COVID-19, but we're also going to be talking about loneliness. How do you still stay connected to your grandchildren or loved ones? when through different forms of technology or visiting and, you know, where you still have to have, you know, meet, you know, that requirement as well as fitness, doing fitness in the home because we work with a partner that will do a fitness box that will send to their home now that they can't go to the gym. So there are ways to, you know, for organizations to continue to stay connected to their, their membership to make sure that they're taken care of not only physically, but mentally. And then, uh, of course, all that, that isolation that goes on to loneliness. It's, you know, so hopefully other organizations will do the same. So last question for you guys is why should your members go ahead and get out and go to the physician's office? What are some examples? I think right now the only reason um, for anyone to go out and see their their physician in the office is if they are truly suffering from something that has to be face to face. So so what are those things? If somebody has a diabetic foot ulcer um, that needs to be treated and they are having fevers um, and and you know usually antibiotics will help, but even then. A lot of those patients can still be seen in the home by a clinician um, as opposed to going to the doctor's office. So really anything that's emergent, just under an emergency, I think is where you need to see the doctor face-to-face. Other than that, it, you know, general cold-like symptoms, flu-like symptoms, medication refills, all of those other things, those can all be done virtually. And, and I, the rule of thumb that I've kind of gone by is that I can do almost everything tele, um, telephonically or virtually, um, as except for examining somebody's abdomen, so their stomach area, and in some cases, you know, the the lungs and and the heart. 
but there's more sophisticated technology now that allows us to deploy things like a stethoscope to a home so that the, the patient can just put it on themselves um, and we can listen on the other end. Um, so outside of that, I would say for the majority, it's telemedicine is key. Doctors' offices don't need to be bombarded by a lot of just the general things that we would normally, you know, have a patient go and see them for. Thanks, Dr. B. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we are doing, um, just I'll just add on uh, with COVID-19, so people, especially our members, don't feel that they have to go out. We have members that don't have access to food, and so we have now over 100 volunteers that are um, working um, with, whether it's Meals on Wheels or um, Mom's Meals, and we are, as well as grocery shopping, um, delivering meals in the home. Last week and the, the first week, we've delivered over 1,000 meals. And so, um, you know, just to keep our membership safe and, you know, we're, this is another way to get member engagement that we've seen unlike any other time. In fact, I think the lessons learned from this piece of what we're experiencing is, you know, the flu pandemic or the flu um, that happens annually is pretty, pretty hard for an older adult. And so um, we are going to take the programs that we've enhanced and make sure that that continues on, you know, when the seasonal flu hit the way. So it's, it's helped us really think as an organization as a different, um, a different way of thinking as a, a company. And I think there's going to be a lot of good that will come out of this, even though it feels so bad right now from the standpoint of how many people are being hit by it. Definitely agree with the good that will come out of this. Don, Dr. B, and thanks for joining me today. Appreciate you guys making yourself available relatively quickly. Thank you, Gavin. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks, guys. Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. Cam, thanks for joining the show. Um, I've known you for many years, uh, but our audience probably doesn't know too much about you or Oasis, or maybe they do, but can you briefly share uh, what is Oasis in-home care and what is your coverage area? Yeah. Oasis in-home care. Uh, We're a senior care company. Uh, we allow make it so that seniors are able to remain safely at home so that way their loved ones don't have to worry about them uh, receiving care or being home and maintaining as much independence as possible for as long as possible our coverage area we're based in southern california and we primarily cover the san gabriel valley the inland empire and uh, down to kind of north orange county is where we primarily serve our clients Thanks, Cam. And uh, tell us, I know I've, I've been to your office before and, um, you know, your staff typically, your office team, I guess I should say, typically works out of the office or in the field. Are they still working in the office or are they all working remotely at this time? They're presently working in the office. We're having kind of regular conversations about that um, and making sure that everybody's feeling okay with that. We have a fairly small team here and so we weighed um the benefits of working remotely, trying to minimize the risks of people coming in. So we've kind of blocked the doors to any caregivers coming in. Um, but yeah, they're presently they're presently working in the office. Although we do have a plan set up, if one of us were to become contagious or if something changed, where we're able to deploy to work remotely if need be. Okay, great. And how about your caregiving team? Are they still um, working with their clients, or your clients pretty much business as usual? Has anything changed there? As far as the day-to-day, if uh, nothing has changed, we've had to reinforce that message with our caregivers and with our clients a whole lot. Um, obviously, they've got their eyes on the news as well, and so they hear these different things passed down. 
but we've let them know, hey, they're an important part of the healthcare continuum. And them going and caring for these seniors who are really vulnerable in many cases, uh, keeps them one uh, in their home so that way they're not going out and getting exposed to different things. And the other is allowing them to remain at home so that way they're not ending up in the hospital. So yeah, the caregivers are p playing a really key role right now and they're continuing um, their jobs as usual with a bit more vigilance, <laughs> obviously, because they don't, they don't want to come down with coronavirus. Yeah, definitely. How is your caregiving team receiving like information on COVID-19? Is there any extra like training they're receiving? Um, tell us about that. Yeah, uh, w one of the ways we're doing it is making sure that we're in regular contact with them. And so we're uh, weekly sending out a letter um, that is pertinent to whatever's going on that week um, in terms of any directives that are being passed down by the CDC. Um, we're also, because there's a shortage of some uh, equipment, people are kind of worried and they're wondering, do gloves work, you know, and in terms of helping with this or they don't, they don't find a mask. So what can they do in the meantime? And so we're um, passing along resources to them as they become available to us. In fact, uh, today we're going to be shooting a brief video on how to make kind of a field expedient mask out of like a bandana or some fabric. And we're going to send that off to them. So that way it uh, just gives them another layer of pr precaution and protection. That's awesome. How have the clients responded to COVID-19? Are they fearful of, you know, their regular caregiver coming in? Are they still believing home is the best place to receive the care? They do believe that home is the best place to receive the care. Um, we're having to be very sensitive to the idea, especially for those clients that have multiple caregivers coming in. We're wanting to be very sensitive to not having too many caregivers come in. We're looking at ways to limit the number of caregivers. And so in some cases that means um, where maybe two caregivers would have been coming in, we've got one caregiver picking up additional shifts. Um, and so we're trying to ease their minds. They're, they're a little bit worried about that, but we're, I think a main way that we're helping to alleviate some of that is not having them guess what's going on. We're trying to give them information and keep our communication level high so that way they see that we're paying attention and I think that's done a lot to give them peace of mind. Awesome. So one thing, Cam, I didn't mention to our audience um, is you are the president of the American Board of Home Care. What is the American Board of Home Care? The American Board of Home Care is a trade organization made up of a bunch of different home care agencies in Southern California. Um, it was originally founded to protect seniors uh, from navigating, uh, unsafely navigating this whole home care space. Until very recently, home care was not licensed by the state of California. And so when a family would call a home care agency, they didn't know if they were dealing with a legitimate agency or what are sometimes called registries who would send independent contractors out to the home. And so the American Board of Home Care serves to protect seniors through education, through giving them a, a roster of agencies that are cleared and that are safe to work with. One thing I've seen, you know, my day job, I'm, I'm also work for a home care company and I've seen some good resources be put out by the American Board of Home Care, which people refer to often as ABHC in our industry, including some, some good guidance from some leading attorneys in the space. So I know you guys are, you know, uh, Inland Empire, but how can folks learn more about the, uh, actually, how can folks learn more about the American Board of Home Care? And then also if you can share briefly how folks can learn more about Oasis. Yeah. Well, the American Board of Home Care, we do have a website. Um, and that is found, the long one is AmericanBoardOfHomeCare.org. 
or they can type in abhc.info and that'll give them to the same site. Um, and if they're interested in finding out more about Oasis, they can go to oasiscaregivers.com and that's a website, uh, our, our agency's website. They can find us on Yelp in some other ways as well, but those are the main ways. Very good. And one question I have for you as well, Cam, is um, there's a lot of folks who work in different industries that may not be um, working right now. What is your perspective on recruiting caregivers? There has been a shortage of caregivers, an increasing shortage of caregivers uh, over the last couple of years, and it's been all over the news, and it's a national issue. Do you think folks uh, who have not, maybe they've helped out loved ones in the past but aren't you know, maybe work in a different space. Do you think caregiving is a good field for them to look into right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the great thing about being a caregiver is that e even though it doesn't take a lot of education, um, it does require a high level of experience. But the good news is that most people have that type of experience, especially when we're talking about homemaking services or companionship. People are already naturally caregiving in a lot of respects. They've got family members. Um, they've raised their kids, and so a lot of the skills that caregivers use are learned kind of just through life experiences. And so if, if they're looking to um, be in a field that's rewarding, that matters, that's making a positive difference, especially at a time like this, um, it would definitely be something to look into uh, for being able to serve others while being able to earn an income. Something that we're having to grapple with or look at as an agency is that while this COVID-19 thing is on everybody's radar. There's nobody on autopilot right now in any field because it's so widespread in terms of its implications. We're going to get through this. You know, there's going to be life on the other side of COVID-19. And so while this is very important and it's very urgent and taking a lot of attention, um, something we've really been trying to emphasize is, yes, we're going to deal with this. Yes, we're going to put the, the things in place that need to be, but we're also wanting to look past it and say, okay, on the other end of this, what's that going to look like? Um, you know, being hopeful that this isn't going to be our new norm, that we're going to be on the other side of this and making sure that we're building out the things so that way there's a, a viable and vibrant business serving people on the other end of it. Yeah, man, I agree a hundred percent. So Cam, um, you know, COVID-19 is a real serious subject, and that's one of the reasons we uh, created this special episode of Pop Health Podcast. But at the same time, we want to make things light at times and not forget some of the fun things of life. One cool thing that you do on the side is uh, you actually have your own YouTube channel, and you're known as the Busy Gardener. What is that's the right. Busy Gardener? Tell the audience. <laughs> the Busy Gardener. Well, it's it's kind of my exploits in trying to um, navigate gardening, being a busy guy, you know, working professional, family man, and yet um, finding the gardening and especially with growing fruit trees is accessible. And so I made a channel that kind of walked through some of the things as I've been going through them. And it's been a lot of fun, um, especially during this time of COVID-19. It's been actually really a wonderful thing to be able to go out there and kind of detune a little bit and to be able to share that. Um, I just uh, put a video out that talked about how wonderful it is to walk out and see these blooms out here, you know, different trees that are going and being able to pick off a fresh piece of fruit. And so, yeah, the Busy Gardener has been fun. It's fun connecting with people all over the country, finding some traction, and it seems to be a, a much more widespread 
hobby than I originally thought growing up in suburban Southern California. Um, there are lots and lots of people who are interested in this space. So it's been fun to connect with them online with that and be able to provide content that is beneficial to them. And, and you kind of find some regulars and there's some relationship there too. It's pretty fun. That's awesome, man. I think uh, you mentioned uh, recently, someone even recognized you out in public as the busy gardener, right? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> it totally was. Yeah, getting recognized. Somebody said, do I know you? Have I have we met before? You look familiar. And, I, and it all of a sudden hit me. Oh, my goodness. They probably saw it because I'm, right now there are about 20,000 views a month on the channel, um, which is kind of mind-boggling as it is. But I thought, wait, do you – I asked them, I said, do you do any type of gardening or anything? And they thought – he said, oh, my goodness, that's where I know you from. <laughs> I saw a video on your rose pruning. And it just blew a, my mind. My wife was there with me, and both of our mouths just dropped because it's that, just such a strange thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, the audience, for those of you um, that don't know, Cameron is a father to five kids, a wife, one dog? One dog, one cat. And d- what chickens. about the others? Yep. <laughs> He's uh, – he, He's got it all. He's also a worship leader at his church. So you are a busy guy, Cam. Really appreciate you joining the show. Uh, the Oasis website, how do folks find Oasis? Yeah, oasiscaregivers.com is how to find us on the web. Very good. And the American Board of Home Care was abhc.info. And then lastly, let's do a shout out to the Busy Gardener. How can people find your uh, your channel there? Yeah, easiest way, go on YouTube, type in The Busy Gardener, and yeah, it'll come up. There's I don't know how many videos I've got on there now, 60, 70 videos, um, gardening-related, fruit-tree-related. Love to have you join me there, too. Awesome, Campbell. Hey, man, really appreciate you joining the show today. Thanks for sharing some expertise on um, what Oasis is doing in the American Board of Home Care. And, uh, yeah, man, have a good one. I appreciate it. Keep doing that great work out there. I also had the chance to catch up with Sterling Miles, who is the founder of San Diego Home Caregivers. Sterling has been a uh, friend uh, and partner to my day job for a long time, and he has emphasized a couple things that I think will be really helpful for folks out there thinking about if in-home care is the right place for them to receive care or to have care delivered to their loved ones. And uh, Sterling, first of all, mentioned a little bit about why he's in the industry. He's been in the industry about 10 years, and uh, he really felt that he had the opportunity to uh, make a social impact in the world. And he has actually ran a, another business in his previous life. So he started about 10 years ago. And in the 10 years, one neat thing he mentioned was he's really been able to help his friends' parents. And so he's been able to leverage that expertise. Today, with the COVID-19 outbreak, his team is working remotely, as many of you listeners, I'm sure, are aware, and a lot of businesses, even if they're essential. And one thing for him is he actually created or is utilizing a a hand-washing module to remind caregivers how to properly wash their hands. And also, there's a great COVID-19 module out there as well that's been created for caregivers. So um, he's been able to leverage that with his team and have his uh, caregivers actually be quizzed on these modules as well to ensure learning and understanding. And one thing that I really enjoyed about my conversation with Sterling is the emphasis that in-home care is the least risky. It is low traffic, one-to-one care where you won't just be prevented from a higher likelihood of receiving COVID-19, but also you can have your care delivered there. So with home health agencies, telehealth, caregivers, you can receive most of the care you need in the home 
versus a facility. Now, of course, if there's high acuity or you need a physician and RNs uh, at your bedside at a moment's notice, that's a different story. But what we're finding is a lot of folks who may have previously, for example, wanted to recover in a skilled nursing facility may be suited to receive care in the home. And that's something that Sterling really emphasized and helped remind me as well. So again, uh, that was a conversation with Sterling Miles that I had yesterday. Unfortunately, I uh, didn't have it recorded here for the podcast. His uh, organization is San Diego Home Caregivers, and uh, Sterling Miles founded that organization about 10 years ago. Thanks, folks, for uh, listening to today's episode. And if you enjoyed hearing from Dr. Bakshande, Don, both from Alignment, um, Cameron Akrami as well at Oasis, as well as uh, my recap of my conversation with Sterling Miles, then um, I'm glad you listened today. Uh, if you want to listen to other episodes of Pop Health Podcast, check us out at pophealthpodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or pretty much wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, everybody. Take care.